This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. How can this show be so awful, Mr. McMahon? I didn't think it was. By Agro on a pole match. And Hogan, you big bald son of a bitch, kiss my ass. Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. McMahon, the family, the rock, they screwed us all. Now you're the editor, right? Yes, Mankind did it! Chappy, chappy, uh, beep, beep. Goldberg steered Russo on the cake. I'm from New York. I'll get down right nasty. This is... Vince Russo's The Brand. Al, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? Uh, at least seven or eight, I think. Do you really, bro? Sometimes. I mean, last night I didn't. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning. I was awake until probably five. I don't know why. I just woke up and. What is what I, is the what is the key to getting a good good night's rest? Honestly, I don't know. I really don't. I would think, Al, that you're a lot like me. I know you're a lot like me, and I know your brain has to constantly keep oh, going. Well, yeah. but see that—that's why I can't sleep. Yeah. So how how do you how do you shut that off? I can fall asleep pretty quick once I go to bed, and then uh, inevitably I end up waking up. So you know, I know I'm, and then once I'm awake, I start. Yeah. What am I? What do I got to do on TV tomorrow? What do I have to? Yeah, am I doing the right thing? Should I make sure that you know, put somebody in there? How am I going to be able to communicate to the talent exactly what it is they need to do and why they need to do it? Stuff like that, and you just keep rerunning it over. Again. That's the thing, Al. After years and years and years and years of that, bro, doesn't that drive you crazy at, at some point? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, my, my my wife's famous line was, you know, my wife's famous line has been for forty years. Uh, you're even when you're here, you're not here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been thing. Yeah, uh, you're here, you're not here. You're not. You're not present. Yes, yes. You're, you know, your your brain's off somewhere else. Like, yes. can't can't get it to shut off. It would love to. That'd be great. You know. Just you know, uh, uh, you know the new cool thing now is to to take the gummies. You know, yeah. to help you sleep. No way. They don't I, help you, huh? Oh my God! Here's what happens. Okay, <laughs> so Jessica said, "Hey, uh, try a gummy one night." You know, and uh, um, I was like, "Oh, okay." So I did it, and then of course I got drowsy, fell asleep, woke up. Okay, went to the bathroom. Had to urinate for at least it felt like forty five minutes. Like, <laughs> just, there's no way there's this amount of water inside me. I'm going to be a dry husk. So, so, but I knew something was wrong when I woke up and I turned my head, and then like thirty seconds later, my face came around too, and I went, "Oh God, <laughs> yeah." Now, did the gummy did the gummies help that one uh, distorted uh, uh, fungi infested toe at, at any point? Uh, no, no. no and listen again. We all know you're not going to wear sandals anytime soon. Now. <laughs> 
Bro, here's the you know, gummies actually do work for me, Al. And and I always tell them, like, listen, man, I just want to go to sleep. I don't want to get high or anything. Like I hate that shit. I just want to go to sleep. But man, I swear to God, everybody tells you melatonin, melatonin. I could eat those things like candy. They don't do crap, bro. And they found because that's a that's a hormone, you know, that you really shouldn't be taking. Yeah. It's about that because it throws off your your actual functioning sleep cycle. So yeah, yeah. You do that. Yeah. Um, but boy, it, it, yeah, that, that experience with the gummy, I was like, Hey, ain't never doing that again. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jeff, I see you got a little uh, picture here, bro. And you're ready, ready to go. So go ahead, Jeff, bring it up. What do we got this week? Yeah. Well, you have to bring it up. You know how this what I got to click on this thing yeah, here, yeah. Jeff. There you go. All right. So this, uh, I got I to make it bigger. Oh God. No, right. already. I could tell this is not going to be good. Yeah. This oh, is it. Fantastic. Yeah, sent him by Al. Yes. <laughs> it gets better. Here we go. Now watch how long these guys stand there gathered like a human safety net. And, oh, we missed him anyways. <laughs> so it's, it's so stupid, bro. It's just so stupid. We're watching more and more and more of this because it's that's what these kids are, you know, being they're getting motivated to do because they're seeing, you know, other wrestlers do it and getting attention for it. And it's 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 just it's becoming more and more stunt wrestling. You know what I mean? It, it like that more, that one there. How long did those guys stand there when the kid jumped off the balcony? Then how long do they gather, congregate together as a, it looked like a, a, you know, where the firemen used to hold the. uh, Yeah, that big tarp gimmick that you used to jump five stories down on. Yeah. Yeah. It it looked like they were all gathered like that and they still missed him. He still landed on the floor. Jeff, go go back for a second to the beginning of that, because I want to point something out. Bro, stop right there. (laughs) Al, come on, man. When, when they booked this building, yeah. How excited were they when they saw this little perch here? Oh, you you oh, know, bro, that was the talk of the day. What are we going to yeah. do from the perch? Yeah, what are we going to do from there? Who's going to do the dive? And this kid was like, I'll do it. And it, it, it didn't go well. You know, Al, you bring up a good point, bro, because you know what it reminds me of, bro? <laughs> Look at that. You know what it reminds me of? Al, remember when you were a kid growing up? And, you know, you would always play baseball and you you would imitate the way your favorite baseball player swung the bat. You know, exa- everything he did at the plate, you would, inti- you, you know, you would copy. Right. That literally is what they're doing. That They see this stuff on TV. They're watching it over and over again. And now we're going to go out there and do it in front of 30 people. I really think, too, I don't I you know, I'm not. You know, I'm not some old fuddy-duddy, you know, about video games or anything like that. I know you enjoy them, Vince. So, you know. Oh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff's Jeff. a video guy. Uh, and I do, too. I just uh, can't play them or I'll get obsessed with them. So um, I don't have a problem with them. But I do honestly think because a large portion of this generation have grown up playing them. And two of the things I've noticed is they physically without any real training or or practice feel like all they have to do is just like with a video game pick up the controller and they can do these video game-esque type moves in reality 
and they put themselves at a physical risk when they try it because they've not trained or practiced enough to do it safely. And the other thing is I've seen that they're terrified when they're training of making a mistake. Like they, they are, I mean, that is the worst thing that can happen is if they blow a spot, they make a mistake, you know, or they don't, or they're being taught something and they just can't do it like that. And, and they melt down like they're, you know, I've the dropout rate uh, has increased dramatically, not because of their inability to deal with the physical stress that it takes to train, it's because they just can't handle failing at something and not accomplishing it the second they pick it up. And I think that's that mindset of, you know, it's so unrealistic that when they, you know, take baseball, for instance, you know, they're what these kids sit down and they play MLB and they're walking up and hitting dingers out of the park, you know, in a matter of a a couple minutes to an hour Mm-hmm. I you know, playing the controls, and then it conditions the brain to think that in real life they could do the same thing. They can just pick up a bat, walk up, and start popping, popping flies out of the park, you know. And it just doesn't work that way in reality. And it, it I think it skews their their uh, their sense of of accomplishment. Yeah, Jeff. Listen, you are a big video gamer. Like when when you hear that, Jeff. Like, what, what do you think? I mean, how how much of an influence do you think this has been on this generation? I don't know. Um, I haven't played wrestling video games since God since I was in college. So I'm probably a little older than the crowd. But the video, the wrestling video games I used to play, it, it the moves were suplexes and body slams and DDTs. They were wrestling moves. It wasn't all this crazy crap. So I don't know if the games today are moving in that direction with the gymnastics and stuff like that, but I, I haven't, I haven't played current ones. So I'm not saying that this is relegated to just wrestling games. I'm saying that it is creating a false sense of, of physical ability. Yeah. Yeah. It's without understanding the, the natural progression in reality is that you literally have to go no matter what it physical you know no matter how much talent you actually have physically as an athlete you still have to practice and train and develop that and there's a learning curve when you first start you're going to fail more times than you are going to succeed but with the video games and the the mental conditioning that it creates for this generation of where they just plop down whether it's soccer football basketball baseball wrestling whatever it is, and no sooner they picked up the control, they're now able to perform on a professional level via through a avatar on the screen. But nonetheless, you know, they're still conditioned, their brain's being conditioned to, well, wow, I can just do this. Where when in real life, there's that learning curve that they're going to have to go through and sometimes they can't process it anymore. I think this one dude, though, is going to get over on his wrestling gear alone. Yeah, yeah, kind of stands out from the bunch. You know what I mean? We uh, we're going to be updating the syllabus. I think this week is as always. Um, lot of great work rate going on. Yeah. Oh my god. (laughs) Every every time I just see what it looks like, I know this is not going to be good. What do we got, Jeff? A Lowe's Home Depot store in the ring. You know what I mean? Oh my god. Let's send him by Al. 
alive, bro. Man I, alive. I got to give credit to the guy on the floor. He did the right thing. He walked away. <laughs> he just, he was like, ah, run it back and watch it. He just, and he doesn't run. He just casually walks off like, man, ah, screw it. We we are one one of these one of these days, man. We are just gonna see a head splat. I mean, seriously, man. We we we're gonna see it. You know, we're gonna see it, bro. Absolutely. I mean, I'm surprised that we have not already. I know there have been there have been some accidental deaths in in the wrestling business. Yeah. I and mark my words. All it's gonna take is a slow news day, and what and somebody, some kid or somebody is gonna die in a wrestling ring. Wrestling's going to be somewhat semi-hot again to some degree. The new it's going to be a slow news day. They're going to pick it up and run with it. It's going to become a big deal. Uh, some senator is going to see, hey, here's here's something I can jump on, and then we're all screwed. Yeah. Yep. What's next, Jeff? All right. Well, Al sent this one. He said it's a great song for a great compilation. Unfortunately, we can't play the song because of no. copyright. But I did put in a song that nobody would even care to think about uh, filing for copyright. So I did put a music okay. over this. The, the song title, I think, was uh, You've Got to Be Tough If You're Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it shows clips that just one right after another. <laughs> oh, my God, bro. Oof. Oh, the disco music. Yeah, we nobody's going to bother us for this. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, if, if you want me to stop on any of these, tell me, and I, I can play them again. Disco, Run man. Run that one back again. Run that one back again. I mean, there's nobody even standing there when he does this. Watch. Boom. Just on the back of his head. Here we go. Ready? Oh my god. Yeah, that that one was sick. Like play that one back, Jeff. That one was gross. Not sick as in cool, sick as in disgusting, like Oh my own. Watch this. What the hell is going on here? And blam. Jeez! Watch oh, this! My God, this ain't this ain't good, man. Nope. Watch. Oh man! It's totally no control. This looks like freaking. I, I feel like I'm watching Gumby, bro. It's like freaking Gumby, man. Look at that! Jesus, man. Keep in mind that was discussed in the locker room. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That, I, that is what always trips me out about all of this is that yeah. those two had a conversation and the guy about to be pitched to his death went, yeah, sure, I'm up yeah. for it. Yep. That'll be cool. <clears throat> yeah, I'll be fine. I'll just grab the side of the cage and break my fall. Yeah. What's next, Jeff? All right, this was sent in by Al. I want to see if you take away the same thing I did. Yeah. Yeah. What? He's kicking out. 
That was a whole lot of work for what? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing, bro. We, we were basically did all of that to accomplish what? Nothing. The guy kicked out. Not to mention, he just took every bit. Uh, he uh, That guy unloaded every bullet he had in the gun. And the guy just let, sat there and went, nope, not today, bitch. Yeah. What's that? What is the point in all that? Yeah. Yeah. There's no, the only consequence to anything that can be done is that the guy could have possibly lost. He can't beat him after all of that. I mean, well, I've checked out. I mean, that's a. Hey, this was sent in by Al. I was on a run. <laughs> Watch this. Oh, Watch. no, I hate these. I. Oh, right on his head. Every, every single one of these is head and neck, head and neck, head and neck, head and neck. Oh, my God, bro. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's severe, too. I mean, that's really – that is not – that guy's going to be hurting for a long time. I mean, that's bad. Yeah. Now, for, what, for us that have never trained as a pro wrestler, it, what, what are – when people are properly taught, if you have somebody up – like you're going to do a move and and they're not in the correct spot. What what are they taught to do? And like, what should have they have done in this situation? Besides, you know? Putting back down. You're taught that at least I teach two things. One, no one ever bumps each other. The person that you're working with takes a bump for you. Okay. So they are more in control of their own bodies. And, and when I teach, I don't teach people how to land. I teach them how to, control themselves while they're in the air so they can land consistently safely every not five out of 10 or seven out of 10, but 10 out of 10 times they can land safely. And they, they get enough spatial awareness and coordination that if someone is going to do something and put them down in a, you know, in a bad way, they can adjust and they can, they can land correctly. In this situation, the guys that has picked him up in that powerbomb type position, he didn't pop his hips forward to throw the guy's shoulders out so that the guy would land flat. And in fact, I honestly think he was trying to drop him straight down, kind of like the Kenny Omega spot that we saw where, the, you know, Will Osprey did not didn't swing his hips out. He just picked him straight up and dropped him straight down. And there used to be a, a very, you know, there was a lot of respect in the wrestling business by the people that were in it for each other's physical condition. And we, and it was, you know, you were, it was held very important that you did not um, injure or hurt your opponent. Uh, you know, for one, it was disrespectful and two, it was bad business and three, if uh, the guy at the top of the card in the main event where you wanted to go and who you wanted to work with so you could make the most money saw you out there doing something like this, they'd be like, nope, not today. We're not working with this guy, you know, and uh, that's all gone away. You know, the real the real art of and what really takes talent and takes an immense amount of physical control is to do what you're doing in such a way that it looks devastating physically and yet does not touch your opponent in any way. And I'm, I'm, you know, whenever I get on one of these binges where I'll be going through more and more what I'm seeing 
uh, and I might even have included one in this, is where these people are legitimately either a attempting to do where they're, they're literally trying to drop each other on their heads. I mean, that's, that's the intent. You can tell it physically and by the body language. That's what they're, they're going for. They're a complete lack of disrespect and concern for the safety of the other person that's in the ring with them. And then the other thing is, is they actually legitimately hit each other. They really strike each other. And, you know, oh, well, you know, you just, you're just, you're a pussy. You don't want to get hit. You're right. I've been hit a lot. And I've never once looked back on it fondly and went, oh, man, that one time I got punched in the face, that was enjoyable. I had a good time that night. You know what I mean? I'm telling you. But the problem is, is that one, no one in the audience, I keep wanting to, but, you know, it's a twofold problem. And that is number the very most primary thing is no one in the audience will ever feel, no matter how hard you hit someone else in the ring, Nobody in the audience will ever feel it and will never appreciate it more than if you'd have never touched the person, period. And number two, the real talent, the real skill is being able to do it in such a manner that visually it looks like you took somebody's head off and you never actually physically touched them. And you see this where it's no longer about us working together to work an audience, you know what I mean? Us working together to get and convince an audience of the lie. It's now, this is all about me. Now I'm going to look cool. I want to do this move. I want to do this high spot. I saw on Japanese video. I want to see this, do this spot that I saw Roman Reigns do with Jay Uso on Monday night. And without any proper training, preparation, uh, practice, we go in and we do these things and we either take an enormous physical risk for ourselves uh, where we just dive off of different objects or, you know, and land on the floor like that or that cage, that ridiculous cage situation, you know, or, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, oh, I, I, I work strong style, which just means you're stiff and you're stupid. And you like to you you lack any real talent, skill, or ability to be able to really perform on the right level. So therefore, you're just going to hit each other as hard as you possibly can. Yeah, you know, you know, Al, Al, crazy mindset, the crazy mindset. Because you know, the, this uh, little short story that I watched <coughs> years ago. I was in England uh, on an independent show, and big Ring of Honor crew were on the show. Nigel McGuinness and Daniel Bryan and you know, Roderick Strong and all those guys, and I'm watching them backstage. Let me tell you, and I'm not exaggerating, full bore, like, forearming each other, punching each other in the head, in the neck, as hard as they could, you know? And I, to the point where I'm in the back going, oh, my God, Jesus Christ, you know? I'm selling it, right? So they come back and go, well, guys, why are you hitting each other in the face, in the neck, in the head as hard as possible? You go, well, we want them to believe it's real. Go, hold on a minute. You're punching each other as hard as you can. Now when they're on the mat, you can clearly see you're throwing working kicks. Like you're not touching the guy. Mm-hmm. Then you punch them to get them down on the mat, and you bend over and pick them back up to do a move. How are they believing your intent is real 
when the only thing that's really real about this all all of this is just you hitting each other as hard as you possibly can. That made no sense to me. And still yeah. it doesn't make any sense because they didn't understand that it was it's not the punch they were selling, it's the intent behind the punch that you're selling. Do you follow? Yeah, well, Al, we're getting the complete adverse effect because here's what Al is saying. It's real simple. You want this shit to look as real as possible, but you also want to do it in a way where it's as safe as possible and nobody's getting hurt. The complete opposite is happening. We don't believe anything we see and everybody's getting hurt. It's the complete opposite of what it's supposed to be. Look at all the injuries that have, you know, the the exponentially have ramped up over the years of, you know, wrestlers are in the ring now suffering really severe injuries. And and it just keeps going and going. Look at look at the AEW roster. I mean, that's the walking wounded. You know what I mean? If those people thank God, AEW does not run a real full schedule. Because if they, if they ban, you know, four days a week, you'd probably have two or three deaths a, a month. Yeah. You know, you'd have to be going to a funeral every time you turned around. Yeah. It'd kill every you. time, bro, I swear to God, when I used to work, man, and, you know, as a, you know, Al knows this, writing, you know, you got to work around all these injuries and stuff. But, Al, I swear to God, 99% of them used to be freak injuries, like an ACL or something where you just landed wrong on your knee. I mean, that that's what it used to be all the time. Nobody got injured off of doing something crazy. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it really has skewed the entire in-ring performance. And, you know, you see, like, I find this stuff easily. You know, on uh, Instagram feed, you know, on Reels, and that's where I find a lot of it is just I'll go on Reels and start flipping through, and here they come, you know, yeah, and just one after another each week of you know the stunt wrestling, and then and then the deathmatch wrestling, you know, where we really pick up a lot of new skills. Yeah. All right. What's next, Jeff? It's the sending by Al. The res- they love those freaking fluorescent bulbs, man. Oh, my God. But right. now, on that, the reason I did that is I want you to see the close proximity to, of the audience to this light tube being kicked into this guy's face and look at where all the shrapnels. There's from. not even barricades, bro. No, no, no barricades, nothing. Look at that. Boom. It went right in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> A big chunk of it flew right off into the audience. Yeah. Hey, I want to bring my kids to that. I'll feel safe. Yeah. yeah. What's next, Jeff? All right. This is the last one. This was sent in by Scott Smith. What's going on here? Oh, my God. <laughs> you just sent the rocket into the crowd, bro. You, you just fired a live round into the crowd with that freaking ladder. Do that, show that again. Hey, hey if these, these fans aren't scared away by a light tube, let's launch oh, the ladder. Oh, my God. Can you, look at the way this thing takes off, man. And Boom. <laughs> I don't know. I think his foot got caught in it, and when he flipped over, it flung the ladder with him. 
He whiplashed that, that ladder into the audience. Yeah, I don't know how that happens otherwise. <laughs> you got to start wearing a helmet. Oh. You got to wear a helmet and a bulletproof vest to go into the show now. Thank God, though, Al. You know, the, you know, we, we are looking at the warriors of wrestling. That's well, they are warriors. Yeah. yeah. They're warriors of Home Depot. I mean, what was the guy? The guy was attempting to pick him up for a suplex. The other guy dropped back down on the ladder, and then it tipped, and then he corkscrewed off, and his foot caught and launched the ladder into the audience. (sighs) All right, Jeff. Fun family night out with my kids. (laughs) Fun family night, yes. So what what, what do you have for our man? Well, I wanted your guys' thoughts on this theory that Eric Bischoff has about Vince McMahon selling roughly 30% of his shares this week. So Bischoff said on, on his podcast, just in terms of timing, it was announced by TKO that Vince McMahon is a risk, and then he sells 8 million shares. Do you think that was a response? Do you think that was, oh, I'm a risk, am I? Well, screw you. I'm going to dump a bunch of stock on the market and see how you feel about that. It's just a thought. I don't know that Vince has been that way. Oh, you don't think <laughs> uh, Vince? Uh, Eric doesn't think that Vince McMahon is better that way, bro. He's the most vindictive guy, bro. The uh, the most vindictive. You're not going to get over on him, bro. You're not going to get over. He's not going to sell. You're not. He's not. I mean, look at the the track that it, we've went through with him it, just in recent history, and we've commended him. I mean, brilliant. You know, ousted. Off the board, uh, you know, clearly that was, uh, let's face it, I mean, it was a coup. You know what I mean? And, and if it, even if it wasn't, he took it as such. Mm-hmm. And it was confirmed when he went to come back and everyone unanimously voted against him. Right. Then he comes back, sells the company for what was $4.5 billion more than its valuation, gets himself a contract, you know, <laughs> where he can't be fired. <laughs> Awesome. This is a masterpiece, by the way. Like this, it is it not? And then it's like I'm talking about a TV show, and then uh, and then you know somebody starts stirring the pot about how he could be a liability. They it gets in the ear of the right person. They're like, yeah, I might want to. And then they go to Vince and like, man, you know, maybe you might want to just lay low. You know, kind of stay away. If you come back, we're going to probably face investigation by the SEC. We're going to have a lot of a lot of problems, you know. And Vince is like, you know what? You don't think you need me? Let me show you what I can do. Oh, here's uh, 30% of my shares. You know, that's only 30%. I've still got 60%, 70% more to go. Would yeah. you like to dump all of those too? So what, what does that do? Does that lower the value because he's getting rid of it? Is that... Is yeah, that- there's, they flood the market, so there's more uh, quantity. Now there's going to be a lower... Selling price, stock prices start to ratchet down. Yeah. <laughs> the value, you know, it's like anything. The value is going to be based on its, you know. Uh, availability. Availability and, and limited, res- you know, and its perception of its value. Yeah. You no, know, and the more limited the availability, a lot of times, the more value that something has. And if yeah. he floods the market with 8 million shares, think about that. 30%, only 30% of his total holding is 8 
million shares. How many shares of stock does this man have? That's crazy, man. That's yeah. crazy. Hey, Al, I, w- I want to talk to you about something because I swear, man, I'm, I, as I watch these shows, huh. I just, I'm, 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 I want, I want to hit you with, I want to hit you with, I'm going to hit you with three things that I saw in this past week. And, and I, I'm, I'm really starting to ask myself, is it possible that Triple H like has no clue whatsoever to what he's doing? I, I want to point out three things to you, Al, that I saw. And bro, I, I don't know. Is it me? Am I getting too old? Or is this like, what the F are you doing? Okay. I'm going to give you three instances now. First of all, I'm going to start with SmackDown. Okay. They got a guy on there. uh, He's from Australia. His name is Grayson Waller. Okay. He's a heel. He's supposed to be a heel. Okay. So, bro, LA Knight is in the ring cutting a promo with Grayson Waller. Okay. Uh, LA Knight winds up, you know, hitting him with the microphone. And getting heat on him, okay. Number one, get so so the baby face getting heat on the on the heel. Right so now. then they go to commercial break. I'm we really co- confused already. What? I'm yeah. really confused. Well, we come you know, back now. Grayson is the heel. Yes. I know L.A. Knight's been getting over like a million bucks. Yes. What happened that motivated L.A. Knight to clobbering with the microphone? They were just having a back and forth promo. <laughs> so basically, the heel outdid the baby face to where the baby face was now too inept to be able to counter a put down that the heel gave him. And so he resorted to violence to win the, win the debate. You ain't seeing nothing yet, which now makes him really the heel based on why he did it. So Al, we go to commercial break. They now come back and LA Knight goes over Grayson Waller. Okay. Okay. During the match, uh, Kevin Owens is on color and he's, you know, burying Waller, burying Waller. Okay, so now he got pu- he got hit in the face with the mic, the heel. Wait, he wait. got beat in the match, clean. And, and then you've got Kevin Owens, another baby face, who's on the mic, on the commentary, burying the heel. We come back from break. Okay. Waller and uh, who's who's that other guy, Tyson, uh, that, that other dude, bro, T- uh, Austin Theory. Okay. They come down to ringside. They get, they pour a bucket of water on Owens's head. Now, Ty, the guy that was just in the ring getting buried. Yes. On commentary. Yes. He gets now, LA Knight. Yes. Come back. They pour water on, on Owens. Okay. Owens gets them both in the ring. He tries to give Austin Theory a cutter, and Austin Theory escapes. Then he gives Grayson Waller a cutter. And I'm like, how in God's name are you ever, ever, ever going to get heat on this heel? Within five minutes, you've buried him three freaking times, bro. Three different different ways. Three different ways. Three different ways, bro. When he got over on the babyface, you had him lose the match. You had Owens and other babyface bury him on on commentary. Then any heat he got for dumping, which how does he get heat for dumping water on Kevin Owens? And what I don't follow it. I don't get it. Then, Al, here's another thing. 
any sense. And, and I'm I'm saying to myself, I know Triple H was trained by you know uh, uh, Killer Kowalski and all that stuff. He, he he here's the two things that happen at Raw. First of all, Al, you've got baby faces going out there making excuses for losing the match. Oh, I got screwed. And if such and such didn't disappear, didn't didn't interfere, I would have won that match. Bro, since when do baby faces make excuses? I don't know. They're not supposed to. They're supposed to go out and go, look, you got me. You beat me that night. Yeah, it took you help, you know, but this time in this match, you're not going to have that help and it's going to be an even playing field and I'm going to win. You know, you don't yeah. ever use it as justification or as an excuse yeah. as to why you, you didn't win the match. And, bro, you know who one of those guys was? <laughs> Freaking Rey Mysterio. He's sitting there, oh, I got screwed, this and that. And I'm like, all of a sudden, baby faces are whining, crying bitches? Like, when did that happen? And and here's the last one, Al. And, yeah. and Bret, Bret, Bret Hart taught me this. <laughs> you know, because when I used to produce Bret Hart, Bret Hart told me, he said, bro, Vince, you know, when I'm cutting a promo and I know I'm going to lose, I never say in the promo I'm going to win because, yeah, as as a baby face, I'm going to let the people down. They're going to lose confidence in me. I never, when I know I'm going to lose, I never say I'm going to win. Yeah, you can't promise something as a baby face and then deliver and not deliver it, you get the heat because you let the audience down. Bro, Cody, Cody. You can't ball up your fist, and then you go, nah, I ain't going to punch it. You know what I mean? You, you Now you've made the audience want something, and then you took it away. That puts the heat on you. Bro, Cody Rhodes <laughs> goes out there at the top of Raw. Him and Jey Uso have a rematch against Judgment Day. You know, Judgment Day beat them for the titles. So they got a rematch for the titles. Cody Rhodes guarantees victory. So as soon as he guaranteed victory, I'm like, okay, the babies are going over. Bro, he guaranteed victory and the babies lost. Yeah. I don't I don't understand this, Al. Like this is this is the simplest of <laughs> math you can possibly do. What do yeah. what do you think's going on with with just the most basic of fundamentals? I they're not being taught anymore, you know, and some of this is common sense, you know, common sense, you know, when we talk about it, like, you know, even if you've never been in the wrestling business, you can, you realize, yeah, I would, I wouldn't cheer for that guy if they went out there and made excuses, you know, in real sports, you don't, you don't see or hear that, you know, cause it'll, it'll kill a, kill an athlete dead on, you know, media wise. Um, and I, I, I don't, you know, they've, they've, they've departed so far from the, like, you know, the ba- basic concepts of things. I, and all of that you just told me makes zero sense to me at all. I mean, none of it, you know, you, you're not, and not to mention this Taylor guy or Tyler or whatever his name was from Australia. I, that kid's dead in the water. I mean, you buried him. I mean, literally buried that kid with that whole situation. And, you know, you're not going to get him over. Uh, If you do by some means and miracle, you know, 
here's the real, I feel bad for that kid. And you know why I do? Cause he, he probably, you know, he's none the wiser. He doesn't yeah. know. Here's the real sad thing is they gave him that and told him, you know, hey, you know, we're going to do this. And then he's not going to get over. Right. Right. They basically took that kid out there and just sliced his nuts off in front of everybody. Right. But the people watching it, and I don't know why this works this way, they're going to watch it and they're going to go, well, this kid's not getting over. Look, you know, two weeks from now when they put him in another situation, you know, they're going to go, well, he's not, he's not doing anything. He's not getting over. And they're going to, they're going to be conditioned by what they did to the audience themselves. Mm-hmm. To where now they're creating the perception this kid's not a viable heel because they bury them, you know what I mean? And they don't even realize they're doing it to themselves, that they're teaching themselves that this kid's now a, 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 a nothing factor because of the very things that they have put him in. You know, Al, you, you're so dead on because, and, and Al, I know you and I are on the very same page with this. I, I, I wrote something about this online, and one, one of these fans fires back, oh, come on, man, everybody knows the guy's just a mid-card heel that's not going anywhere. Al, I swear to you, when we used to bring, you know, when, when guys used to come up to the WW, never once did I think for a minute this guy's not going to get over. My full intention, one billion percent, when a guy came up to the big roster was, this guy's here so we can get him over and have another viable tool and player. I never brought a guy up thinking that, oh, this guy's here to never get over? Right. I what, what kind of thinking is that? I, it, it, because you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of outside people people that were not brought up in or were a part of or were around the older generation of professional wrestlers now in the wrestling business that, you know, believe that they know what this business is really about. And they don't, you know, the objective is for you to, I do the same thing. When I put somebody on TV in OVW, my objective is to do everything I can to try to get them over as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if not, you're then you know there's no point in bringing them in. Right. You, it should be that you're trying to give them every opportunity and help them in every manner to get over with the audience. So you now have, like you said, yet one more tool that you can utilize to build an overall show that will draw an audience. You know, and that, to your credit, you know, back in the day, I've always said this, is that everyone on that show meant something to some degree because, yeah, they may have fallen in that spot of being a mid-card heel or babyface, which, why is that terrible? You know, first off, not everybody can be at the main event, only, so, or upper mid-card guys, that was because all of those guys it was giving them the opportunity and building them to where they could potentially have been at the top of the card. And the only reason they weren't at the top of the card is because they didn't know how to capitalize on those opportunities fully. Yeah. You know, they messed up. I like, I've talked about my own mistakes plenty of times, you know, and I do think that the mindset backstage has changed because you've now got, a, a, you know, an army of writers that they're looking and you know, the pressure 
you've got to come up with TV every week. And we got to come up with situations every week. And now you've got people back here going, you know, we just, we got to have something for this guy from Taylor, whatever his name is, Taylor, whatever. Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller. We got to have something with Grayson Waller. We got to, you know, we got to, how are we going to get Kevin Owens out there? Because we're going to have Kevin Owens work with Grayson Waller. How are we going to do that? Well, you know what? We'll put in the commentary, you know, and then for no rhyme or reason, Austin Theory and Grayson Waller are going to come back out and dump water on Kevin Owens. What did Kevin Owens do to motivate that? You know, he didn't get involved in the match. All he did was talk crap about Grayson Waller. And then, we're, you know, we need to get L.A. Knight over. How are we going to get L.A. Knight over? Well, Grayson Waller can, you know, say something and really sting him. And then, well, you know, L.A. Knight drops him and starts beating his ass. Well, now you've just made L.A. Knight the heel. But you don't realize it because you don't understand the very common precepts of the psychology of professional wrestling, you know, hey, uh, when you go out there, you know, tonight, Cody, you know, make sure you make, you know, you promise that you're going to win. We're going to convince him that you're going to win because we'll get that much more heat when you lose. Now you've got heat on him, not on the heels for, you know. Does, it, does everything <clears throat> you're saying, you know, here, here's what I'm not understanding. All that comes from the top. Okay, I, I I don't expect the talent to know. I don't expect Grayson Waller to understand. I agree. But that is coming from the top, bro. But that that it that it's gotten so it gets so big. There's no way that Triple H can sit there and micromanage every segment, micromanage and direct every agent, micromanage and direct every writer. And really, it should be that they have an army of agents. That have experience that are there. That's what an agent, a producer, a segment producer is for, is to be there to ensure that these little things like this don't slip through the cracks. They're there for the wrestling experience to communicate to the wrestlers. Again, there's always, it's always twofold. They're supposed to be the intermediary uh, between the wrestler and the writer. Okay. So they can communicate properly and also explain to the writer hey, look, uh, having L.A. Knight beat the shit out of Grayson Waller is going to get heat on L.A. Knight. It's not going to get heat on Grayson Waller. That's the agent's job, okay? Maybe if we switch this up and turn it around, you know, now we can get heat on Grayson Waller doing it this way, you know? Uh, Now, then, secondly, the agent's there to communicate to the wrestler because now the wrestler respects whatever the agent's telling him because he knows the agent's been in the ring taking bumps, and therefore will listen to him more than he will some writer that just came fresh out of college is now telling the wrestler how to do a fight that the writers never actually physically experienced. Yeah. You know, so that agent is the, is the key and the, the link in the chain that communication is being broke, you know, is, is being lost there. Uh, you know, and why that's happening. I, that I don't know, you know, I, I know that Triple H can only, he can't micromanage everything. You know, that's a three-hour show. That means that he has a total of 18 segments of television, typically six per hour, right? Yeah. So, you know, that means that's why those agents are there. Yeah. But but they're, they've lost because they're coming from a world of independent wrestling where a lot of this stuff that you and I know intrinsically and take for granted knowing they don't anymore because there's no older generation there like Bret Hart going, the reason I don't promise I'm going to win as a babyface if I know I'm going to go under 
is so I don't let the audience down and then kill me being a baby face. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It's a simple thing. Well, you know, like uh, Terry Taylor always tells that story about he and Chief J. Strongbow, you know, <laughs> and this really is where, you know, the business has definitely changed. You know, they're riding in the car and Jay wakes up. He's asleep in the seat and he wakes up as Terry's driving, looks around the car to make sure nobody's in it. <laughs> right. You know, look at Terry and goes, never cover a job guy until the finish. And then goes back to sleep. <laughs> right. But he was absolutely correct because if you go back and you watch old squash matches, that guy, that top star guy never, never. ever covered that baby face or covered that job guy until the finish. Yeah. And the reason why was the more you covered that person, the more it taught the audience you couldn't beat that person. Right. Yep. And the more it taught that audience you couldn't beat that person. Well, if you can't beat him, how are you going to beat the guy that's in the heavyweight champion? Yeah. You know? So there were little rules and literal ideas that helped protect you that you nobody even realizes is being done. Yeah. Audience. That's what drives me crazy when I hear these all these supposed experts that claim that they know so much about professional wrestling. It's like you don't know even those little small rules and details that have been being done to you and you never even noticed or realized it was being done in a match to convince you or make you think or feel or believe a certain way. Yep. And now all we focus on as talent, as agents, you know, the writers, is the big things, the big physical moves, the big, you know, the promo, the, but never the little small nuances that have been completely lost. And you need, you know, and, you know, triple A, and that's been lost with the agents. And it's been, and it definitely the writers have never had access to it. Yeah. And, you know, Triple H needs to set the agents down and set clear edicts, uh, you know, not silly, you know, silly, but if it's important to you, hey, uh, there's only one break up on a pin uh, in a tag match. Uh, tag match, you got to hold the rope. If, if they're important and you, you really help think that they will help sell your vision of the work, helping an audience believe in the intent behind everybody's activities, well, then you should send everybody down and go, this has to be the way it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. Hey, if they're going to go on the floor, if they're not back in by the time, you know, and you're, you're like count, you're counting slow and you could have made 20 and the counts t really only tend to be disqualified. Fucking disqualify them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if, you know, the same with, if you're the referee and you're going down for the count of three, you know, it's important. You never break the count. You always commit. You just one, two, and the guy don't kick out. That's his fault. It's important you communicate it. And then your agent then communicates it as well. They need to reacquaint themselves with some of these small details and these nuances and get back to, back to, you know, communicating those to the talent. Yeah. Yeah. The talent are, you know, a lot of these talent are coming in from a very sterile, uh, NXT that are being taught by, you know, people that, uh, you know, not, not taking anything away from them, but have all been far removed from active participation uh, in front of an audience for years. You yeah. know, when's yeah. the last time that, you know, Norman Smiley worked in front of an audience or Robbie Brookside. And so, 
that time and distance, maybe they've lost touch with some of these, you know, uh, smaller details. And so yeah. they're not teaching it to the talent. Yeah. Talent's, the talent's not getting that experience because no matter how awesome the performance center is, which I'm sure it's amazing. Okay. The place that you really develop a talent and the talent really learns how to be a star is in front of a live audience as much as possible. Yeah. With ends and butts, you could stick somebody in an empty building without an audience and they can do drills to they shit their pants. Okay. But they're ne- that's never going to replace the invaluable ability to be able to perform in direct contact with a live audience on a very regular basis. That's yeah. the only place you're really going to evolve. It's the only place you're really going to develop as a talent. The only place you're going to really learn and understand what works for you, why it works for you, how much to do, when to do it, how little to do, you know, all yeah. of the things. And then those lessons, <clears throat> like never promise when you're going to lose. Never promise you're going to win when you're going to lose if you're the baby face. You can as a heel, but you can as a baby face. Mm-hmm. Those little lessons that people learned over time of performing in front of those live audiences for decades, now you'll start picking those up. They'll yeah. start bring to you naturally. Yeah. You know, and that, you know, that that's the only critique I have of, you know, their WWE's system these days is that I really think that putting everybody in one singular building in one singular location, one breeds uh, just clones, you know, no one has a unique style, feel, flavor, vibe anymore. Uh, They're all pretty much, you know, it it just by nature becomes very incestuous. Yeah. uh, You just can't help but uh, have it happen like that. Yeah. You're an OVW too, you know, and it drives me nuts, you know, because I see that a lot of the, talent will start to we'll get moves of the month you know yeah if, if i had seen one more stinger splash when i first got here i would have shot myself yeah. i mean it's the same or the same spots or you know because they all they don't watch each other's match even though they all assume they do because that's why they're going through so many painstaking minutes uh calling a match because they're scared to death that somebody in the back's going to watch it and see if they made a mistake when they're too busy calling their own match, so they can't watch yours. And therefore then you get a lot of duplication and redundancy, you know? Yeah. That's probably the biggest takeaway. I know I'm going on a bit of a rant here, but um, I think I'm on a good roll. Uh, The, the biggest takeaway I've ever from AEW, the biggest critique I can give that, give that company is that every time I've went and watched a show, it has been, incessantly redundant. Yeah. 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 I mean, same match, same, match, same stuff. I mean, just done that, you know, nobody stood out. Nobody it was unique. You know, when, you know, it was all just boom, 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 boom. And NXT, I watched NXT, I've watched NXT a couple times in that kind of the same thing. Just over the overproduced production of it. Yeah. Overproduced talent. And, and, uh, and the uh, the redundancy of it, yeah. just not appealing. Man, I was watching an interview with uh, Dutch yesterday, man, and Dutch was talking about, bro, that there were times in Memphis when he literally went to the ring not knowing the finish. 
Sure. And, and the referee, <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, my God, Al, could you imagine if that happened today? If these guys went to the ring not knowing the finish and the referee gave them the finish right before he – can you imagine if that happened today? Big meltdown. Big meltdown. Oh, my God, man. It, it, oh, my God. I couldn't imagine, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that that kind of stuff, you know, don't, you know, don't buy the, you know, the um, bullshit. Okay, I was going to try and come up with a different word, but just don't buy the bullshit. The, the veterans, you know, oh, we used to call it in a ring. Yeah, they did. Yeah. But they also called high spots. You know what I mean? They, call, they, they would call matches. They would call them before they went to the ring. The one difference, though, was... Like a guy like Dutch Mantell, if he and you sat down and you were going to have a match tonight and you were like, hey, uh, let's do blah, 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 and blah, 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 and we'll do this spot, and, you know, but always with the caveat if it comes up. And then if you went to the ring and you did, you know, Dutch goes, hey, we'll do A, B, C, and D, kid, and then we're going to go home on E, right? You get out there, though, and for whatever reason, you do A, you do B, and all of a sudden you do Q, you do F, you do X, you do L, and then you go home on E. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> or you just do A, you do B, and you go right to E, and you go home. But Because they didn't care if any of it happened the way they called it. Yeah. You know, they if, if it came up, great. If it didn't, well, kid, we'll do it tomorrow night, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and nowadays, though, if they call A, B, C, D, and E, and E is going to be the finish, you better believe A better happen, B better happen, B better happen, D better happen, and then E better happen yeah. right after D. Because if it don't, we've blown a spot and we've ruined the match. Yeah. You know? yeah. And and they, they've, again, lost touch with what they're really selling, which is just the finish. I don't. You don't need to know anything before you go to the ring, you don't even need to know the finish till you get in the ring. And then who's going to win now? Just convince an audience you're constantly trying to win and not lose. Real simple, man. Real simple. Yeah. I mean, just sell that one thing. Sell that one idea. Yeah. Or give that audience what they paid to see, which was their ability to believe in your intent, not your moves, in your intent. Yeah. Them, make them feel like there was really something at stake there. Yeah, you know, Conor McGregor and uh, you know Mayweather did it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was boy. That nothing could have been more of an obvious work than that boxing match. That yeah. was, and it was terrible. Yeah. We know that AEW's had a chief legal officer named Mega Parik. I believe you pronounce her last name. I may brought be- up many times. Yeah, she, uh, of course, famously Jim Cornette or infamously accused her of sleeping with the boys a few months ago. Really? I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah well, he accused her. There was not, I mean, there was nobody else to said anything. Well, I'm just saying but... he, he went on, he said that publicly? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I don't know if he specified they, the wrestlers he may have. Rival or slander? I don't know, but this is where it gets interesting. So we know. She was in the locker room during the brawl with Punk and and the Bucks and Omega. And then Cornette says that. Well, apparently, she has stepped away from AEW and and is back with the Jags for the past few months. 
that she's working on some project to get a new stadium for the Jags. And now somebody else from the Jags is taking her spot with AEW. Now, apparently this guy, Chris Peck, he's been AEW's general counsel for a few years, but now he's taking her responsibilities. Again, this is just rumored, but it's very, very specific. So she, um, it's apparently not been involved with AEW if this report is 100% correct for, for the last few months and is back at the Jags. It almost, it almost seems like, yeah, I don't think this is discussed enough. We have a few times, but it's like, you know, the father's putting people there to keep an eye on the kid. And if something happens, all right, well, maybe do a switch out. I mean, I, I don't know, but this is all just seems really weird. I don't, I don't, you know. So what was the, the, story is all about that she got switched out yeah she's pretty much been the number two person there uh you know and all the legal stuff goes through her but apparently she's been gone for a significant amount of time that she wasn't even involved in the cm punk getting fired thing she had been gone by that point if this report's true so she's pretty much back with the jags and stepped away from aew well, it sounds like they, they just simply, I'm sure with Cornette making an accusation like that, and we know, you know, that in a locker room, boy, that an accusation like that can spread like wildfire among the boys. And, you know, that then just stirs it all up to where they probably thought it was wise to move her away from there. Whether it was, you know, I'm not inferring that it was true, that the accusation was true, not, you know. There's no way of knowing that. Um, but I would, for her protection and for the company's protection, uh, it was probably best to put her over with the Jaguars and distance her now from AEW so that hopefully the heat will die down and the, the suspicions and the accusations will go away. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine that's what they did. If, if the accusations were of any actual uh, relevance, then I would imagine that they they would have, and all this is pure speculation. We don't know. So we don't know. Yeah, it's weird, though. I don't know. Maybe it's just me reading too much into this. But I remember, Vince, you talking about when when Cornette made the comments, like, wow, and and Al just said libel. You know, there there could be some ramifications for that, for spreading if it's false information, but nothing (laughs) ever came to that. Then she's apparently gone, and Cornette got invited to AEW, recently maybe maybe he was had some information that nobody else had i mean he may have got invited he may not have you know what i mean because i saw that on uh, that tweeted went around where he was pretty much knocking aw by claiming that he was invited by jericho and that you know he didn't have a plus one to take so he could take advantage of the buy one get one free ticket you know and so who's to say that he actually got invited you know what I mean or did he not get invited and he thought of a really good way to throw a dig at AEW and got got some attention you know what I mean I mean let's face it Jimmy is without a question or a doubt uh, he is 100% a worker you know and a lot of these older guys you know will definitely uh, they'll work an audience, you know, they're going, you know, 
a lot of stuff that Jimmy, you know, does and says, you know, I think he knows what gets him attention and he knows what works for him and, and good for him. You know, uh, I love Jimmy dearly and I, you know, hope he just continues to be successful, you know, with his podcast and all that. But that's what brings his audience is his sharp wit and his condemnation of a lot of, a lot of wrestlers and a lot of promotions. And he knows it. And that's why he uses it. It's a gimmick, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm surprised that, you know, they, uh, uh, some action was not, I mean, that's a, that's a stiff accusation to make against somebody publicly. And you I'm, better. I'm going to find the exact quote while you're talking, Al. I'll find yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you know, also, though, I don't think, you know, whether it whether it's true or not true, I don't think AEW would want to shine a spotlight on that. You, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, that's why I think for her protection, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, <laughs> company's well-being, they probably moved her over to the Jaguars, you know? Yeah. If they had found any real evidence to substantiate the claim, then they probably would have released her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but but that you know, and this annoys me, really does, because that's a good example of how you know people can behave on social media with impunity. You know, they, it it really fosters. This, uh, this belief that you can go on and say anything about anyone and make any accusation in a public forum. Yeah. And, and you're completely free to do it. You're never going to face any actual repercussions. Nobody's going to haul off and punch you right in the face for saying it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to face any legal ramifications people go on there and make accusations and statements all the time in a public forum about people and then never have to face any consequences. I could go on there right now and make some ridiculous, you know, claim about Vince Russo, you know, uh, and you know, that I saw you leave Costco with a, an economy-sized jar of peanut butter with your black lab in the car and nobody else. And, you know, let's speculate about that. <laughs> <laughs> I got the quotes. Just, just don't use crunchy. It makes them nip. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I can say it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, yeah. Then if, and then it can pick up. Yeah. And everyone jumps on it because everyone's so miserable that they love company. Yeah. So they get on there and you know oh you know Vince you're, you've always knew you were a pervert so now I've literally slandered you you know and no no action will be taken against me yeah you know what yeah what, what did it say Jeff so this is part of it he said I think Mega over there she's been involved in this since the start because she was one of the people that burst into CM Punk's locker room along with the buckaroos and their ilk and started the whole goddamn deal a year ago and we know that Mega is close to the Bucks, not as close as she is to some of the boys. She's been the one that was screwing up contracts because she's in charge of the AEW legal, trying to throw stumbling blocks in a way of bringing Punk back with messing around with Ace Steel's employment. She's the one who's been trying to collect evidence for her friends, the Buckaroos, all along. And she's the one who I'm sure had a big hand in whatever other appendage she wanted to put in in wording that. So the jury, when the lawsuit eventually happens, will go, oh, God, Tony was so scared. So then a fan uh, accused Cornette on Twitter of trying to slut shame her by saying she slept with all the AEW talent. And Cornette said, I never said 
all the AEW talent. And then another fan said, this goes to what we were talking about. The smartest thing Jim Cornette could do is spread lies about the chief legal officer of the Jags and AEW. This couldn't backfire at all. And this is Cornette's response, and it's very interesting. He says, if anyone thinks I lied about anybody, they can sue me and we'll work it all out in discovery when everyone's under oath and telling the truth for once. Obviously, that never happened. No. So you wonder if there is truth to what I mean to what he was saying. Uh, yeah, but like to the point that I just made, you know, social media is such a uh, ridiculous circus that allows people to go on there and to make any accusations they want about anybody in any manner at any time. You know what I mean? Uh, without any proof or evidence or any way of substantiating the claim, and then you know, let the ball start rolling and you create a literally a shit storm uh, that and no one, no one ever has to worry about the consequences. Yeah. When the only time that's going to change is when attorneys realize how much money they can make for taking some of these people to task for slander and libel. Yeah, that's true. But, man. It's, absolutely you know, true. it's absurd. I mean, it really is. Yeah. People can just go on there and make any remark they want. Yeah. You know, Hey, look, Jimmy's not a dummy, you know, and by no means. He's a very highly intelligent person. And, I mean, he must know, he must have, I don't know, I don't know. He's playing for fire, that's for sure. I mean, I would not, I wouldn't do anything like that. Yeah. All right, Al, bring us up to speed of what's going on in the world of Al Snow. Uh, Well, Wrestlers is still on Netflix, uh, still streaming, please Check it out. Please share it. Please tell your friends, your family, watch it. Hashtag wrestlers, Netflix. Uh, we are still creeping our fingers crossed for a second season. We probably won't find out until January. Uh, they love to make, make people live life on the edge. So they really like, Hey, let's just keep creating more anxiety for Al. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to watch OVW, uh, it's live every Thursday night on fight TV. It's live on YouTube as well. Uh, you can check us out there. Um, you can check us out on multiple national networks, YTA, Action Channel, Next Level Sports, RCN, Lily, Game Plus. Uh, we reach about 100 million homes from Canada to Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, Bahamas, and Guam. Uh, and if you want more information on OVW, you can go to ovwrestling.com. You can check it all out there. If you're literally wanting to become a professional wrestler, God bless your heart, really. I mean, I don't know if you've had enough uh, therapy or psychological help, but, hey, if you want to remain broken, come on in the business. It'll help. Uh, You can go to ovwacademy.com where we always constantly are on the cutting edge of work rate, always updating our syllabi uh, (laughs) to represent that uh, as we scour the Internet learning uh, new efforts that the talent are putting out there. Kind of like how to turn your baby face heel by having him kick the shit out of your heel's ass after your heel got over him verbally. <laughs> Who knew, right? Uh, how to really get your baby face over when you have him on his promo promise mm-hmm. without a question or doubt he's going to win, and then you beat him. Yep. Can't understand why this kid's just not getting over with the audience. I just don't see it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, or better yet, let's have two heels run out and, uh, you know, dump water on the babyface who buried him on commentary and then have the babyface just kick his ass. 
Yeah. There you go. His heels just got no legs. He's just got no legs. He's mm-hmm. not over. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at the real Al Snow. I not only put out amazing jokes, Jeff will attest to it, but also information like FYI today. I think the word hussy just does not get the recognition it needs. Well, I like that. Yeah, let's bring hussy back, man. I, yeah, I like that. Got a little bit of a bite to it, you know? Yeah, you know? it does. It does. Such a hussy, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, you can follow me at The Real Al Snow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of them. Uh, and if you're wanting to read my comic books, you can go to BrokenIconComics.com. If you're wanting to see my stand-up, you can go to Premier Streaming Network. There is a uh, um, special there, stand-up special with David Vox Mullen, my comedy partner uh, from Zany's Comedy Club in Chicago. I will be having some more stand-up dates in uh, for 2024 coming nice. up. I will be at WrestleCade uh, over Thanksgiving weekend in North Carolina. Come out and say hi. Uh, and if you want my book, you can go to Amazon.com. It's self-help life lessons from the bizarre wrestling career of Al Snow because it's been pretty bizarre, let me tell you. Um, and if you want to sport the clothing that I wore on the show Wrestlers on Netflix – you can go to collarandelbowbrand.com and use Snowman. You'll get 10% off. You got comics and Western. Uh, and, and I did the comics, the Western. Oh, okay, the Western. Supernatural Western. It'll be out in 2024. It'll be streaming. You should check that out, too. Yeah. All right. Say goodbye, Al. Goodbye. All right, everybody. The great Al Snow. Jeff, what is going on in your world? Guys, check out our Patreon. We got some new things going on over there. If you're a super bro on Patreon, you now get the extra Castray in the Mark show that we do once a month on Patreon. And if you are at the Russo Raw tier, you can join Vince and myself in a monthly roundtable. So we get on on one of these, and we're, we're going to chat it up with you guys. If you're at the Russo Raw tiers, check that out. Also, at our uh, $3 tier, we now have the Tony Khan Dave Meltzer comedy extravaganza the first episode of that will drop the same day that this episode comes out check that out we got a new look ma up of course we got disco ec3 master shoot theater vic venom a lot going on at patreon.com slash russo twc yeah and uh jeff those tiers start at 75 cents a week yes jeff i could not believe this bro like you know jeff i never I never walk around with uh, money in my uh, pocket or anything like that. I always use a credit card, always use a credit card, right? So I just started getting Jeff into those. uh, I I get now the five-gallon water jugs instead of buying bottled water, right? So after you use a jug. Those big blue, the big blue things. things, The big blue things. After you use the jug, you bring it back to the, uh, you bring it back to the supermarket and they pay you a deposit for it, right? So, like, I, I did that, and I had $8 in my pocket, okay? And I never have money in my pocket. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to treat treat myself to a cup of coffee. Treat myself to a cup of coffee. Now, keep in mind, guys, you can get a Patreon uh, subscription for $0.75 cents a week. So, Jeff, I went to a local coffee here, coffee place here. I ordered a coffee. Uh, when they told me how much, guess how much the coffee was, Jeff? What size? And is it just it was, a regular? It, it was a medium, and it was like a, it was like one of these lattes. Okay, well, if it's a latte, 
medium, it's at least four or five bucks. Seven dollars and five cents. So the price has gone up a lot. <laughs> yeah, guys, literally seven dollars and five cents for a cup of coffee I drank in 15 minutes. And you get a week's worth of entertainment, guys, for 75 cents a week. So check it out, man. Patreon.com. Hopefully we don't give you the shits afterwards like coffee does. You know What's that, Jeff? So hopefully we don't give him the shits like coffee does. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So check it out, everybody. Patreon.com forward slash Russo TWC. For me and Jeff, we'll see you next time.